Hello and welcome to the Private Screening Podcast. I'm Logan. I'm Hunter. And this is our first time (laughs) filming an episode, shooting an episode, recording an episode for you all who are listening, all six of you. So pumped. I'm very pumped as well. And in these trying times, aka us not being at school and it's in the middle of a pandemic, we're using Zoom to record. So yeah, give it give us a little bit of a little bit of leeway on that. All right. So this week, midsummer. It's uh more like midwinter, but sure. I wish it was midsummer. I hate, hate, hate the cold. I love it. It snowed this morning. So happy. Was it like a powdery snow or like yeah. sticking to everything snow? Powdery and it was very light. I don't mind that snow too much. I, I think it's very pretty. What I don't like is snow that uh, gets in the way of any plans that I may have for the day. Uh, causes people to slide off roads that's not fun that's uh anti-fun actually fun uh so we were (laughs) but midsummer that was a movie it it was quite a movie so uh, for all of you that have not watched i'm gonna give you the imdb like little short summary of it Uh, And then we'll go from there. A couple travels to Eastern Europe to visit a rural hometown's fabled Swedish (laughs) Swedish Midsummer Festival, which begins as an idyllic retreat, quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition in the hands of a pagan cult. I gotta be honest, that did a pretty good job of summing it up. So, Hunter, yes. give me some background of this movie. You know, just just some information of behind the scenes. All right. Well, Ari Aster directed and wrote this movie, and it is his second time directing a feature film, his first one being Hereditary. Uh, it was distributed by A24 Studios, which is known for many movies. Like, uh, I think they did The Lighthouse. Uh, and good time. I enjoyed most of their movies, so I was excited about that. Uh, The cast featured heavy hitters such as Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, William Jackson Harper, Valhem Blomgren, and Will Poulter. I love names. Love love names. Interesting fact. William Jackson Harper is actually the only American in the film, even though a lot of them had American accents, which is very good on the dialect coaches and the actors because the accents were mm, chef's kiss. I thought they were from my own hometown. <laughs> but yes, Florence Pugh is English, uh, and so is Will Poulter. Uh, Willem is Swedish, and Jack Renner was born in Colorado, but he is Irish. And so William Jackson Harper is the only 
one with a naturally American accent. That was pretty cool. Principal photography began on July 30th, 2018 in Budapest, Hungary, and finished later that October. The movie was shot in Hungary and Utah. The uh, All the scenes featuring American cities were shot in Utah, and all the Swedish scenes were shot in Hungary. The film was shot using a Panavision Millennium DXL2 digital camera with a Panavision Primo Artiste lens. Mwah, chef's kiss. Wow. Uh, Florence Pugh won a Virtuoso Award at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival in 2020 for this film. That's uh, one of the more prominent awards I found for that. I did not see all of them. I'm sure IMDb has more. Well, in ways of people reviewing this film, it got an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 72% on Metacritic. So overall, pretty highly rated. None of, none of them are 50% or below. So pretty good. Pretty good. It was a horror movie. Well, it, but Hunter was saying before we started the podcast that it is more so regarded as a comedy in Sweden where it is mainly set. Because this is a fictional movie and they they do not have these celebrations where they send the oldest people to jump off a cliff. Ah, yes. Yeah. Spoiler alert. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we should probably always start this podcast out with a spoiler alert because, you know, I mean, how can we talk about a movie without right. without just ruining the whole thing for you guys? It'll be in the intro, and the intro will be finished by, I'd say, the seventh episode. So. Amazing. We have set a bar. Let us see if we, if we achieve our self-given deadline. But with that being said, Hunter, does it get a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Is it a must see or should people not bother with it? It definitely gets a thumbs up. I highly enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very well written and very well acted. And the visual effects and designs of the movie were just outstanding. And I actually read that the costume designs, all the frocks and gowns were uh, hand-designed, unique designs by the costume designer. And the production design was unique as well. The, there was a lot of color that was uh, very pleasing. A lot of the flowers and the summer feels of the look. It was very, very, very nice. I highly recommend I have to agree. I would say it's a thumbs up as well. I I enjoyed it. I've, I've watched it three times. Now, granted, me and Hunter have not watched this movie very close to this recording date because after we watched it, it got into uh, hell week and then finals week at school. And we just, it, it was super busy. And we're now recording this on our Christmas break. And so here we are, having not watched it for a few days. A few hey. days. A few days. A few days. Hey. I think it's been three weeks. <laughs> a few weeks. A few weeks. And uh, <laughs> you will probably <laughs> tell by the lack of solid, concrete details that we provide you. 
I went through my letterbox just to read my review because usually I do detailed reviews and I gave it four and a half stars and my entire review just says, this is why I'm a dare kid. <laughs> that yes, <laughs> very in depth. Um, I have to say some of the, some of my like high points of this movie is, uh, just the fact that they weren't afraid to be like really graphic because like in the beginning, uh, her family just killed by, um, uh, Florence Pugh's little sister in the movie, uh, via carbon monoxide poisoning. And it was a graphic scene and it didn't sh- it didn't show them being killed, but it showed just the aftermath, which I thought was a, like a really nice like way to go about it, because she just like shoved the entire hose and duct taped it around her mouth. Um, it was like out. Oh yeah, and it it was disgusting in like some of the best ways possible, and as well as the scene where the elderly jump off the cliff. Yeah, and all the way to the end where they're like cleaning the bear out yeah. for, for him to be put inside as like a Halloween costume. It was, I, I, I thought that their lack of caring how graphic the scenes were just really made it that much more realistic in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was like a lack of caring. I think they actually went for it. I think they did that purposefully just to make it that much more unsettling. Uh, I remember watching an interview with Florence Pugh and Jack Renner. Uh, Jack was talking about how stressful this job was and how like how most of the actors needed to take mental breaks in between scenes just because of how brutally taxing this movie was for them. Oh, I, I can, I can assume. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you can definitely tell just from watching it that it is, it is not a movie for the fan of heart to watch. And it is even more so not a movie for the fan of heart to work on. Oh yeah. It's, it's kind of like the, uh, what, Oh, what's his name? The guy who just, uh, played Pennywise in the new movies. Um, Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård. Okay. Yeah. It's like he was saying whenever he was talking about, playing Pennywise like it's a really taxing role to like get in the headspace of and uh he still gets like nightmares from playing just this character that was all in his mind but just having to get into that headspace is I don't want to say harmful but it definitely does a number on somebody's like mental health whenever they have to play someone that is demented or somebody that is going through really, really trying situations like the characters in this movie. Cut this out. (laughs) Both of us don't know the names of the characters. (laughs) It's Danny. Danny is Florence Pugh. Danny, Christian, uh, Pell, Josh, Mark. And then there's Connie and Simon. I will say that 
I mean, maybe one reason we don't know the characters' names off the top of our heads right now is because we haven't watched it in a little while. But I also feel like the movie didn't stress it enough mm-hmm. or a lot at all. And I don't know if that was by design because I don't know. I feel like Danny's name was name dropped a bunch, but all the rest of them were just kind of that guy, mm-hmm. that guy. I know Josh and Mark were said quite a bit, uh, but Christian's name was definitely left out a substantial amount throughout the movie. Yeah. So I don't know if that was by design, but me not being able to remember the characters' names, I don't know, just in retrospect, not even while I'm watching the movie and I'm like, ah, that's a bad thing. But just like in retrospect, I'm like, well, I wish they made their names a little bit more memorable to us. I don't know. I kind of liked it. It kind of makes the whole experience like a bad dream. (laughs) Like you Uh, can't remember the names you don't know exactly what's going on. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. If this movie, to put it bluntly, was a cluster F. Look at me saving Michael some time on editing so he doesn't have to bleep me out. Um, yes, our, our esteemed editor, Michael, <laughs> we'll probably yell at him from time to time. Uh, This is a running gag. I'm sure he appreciates it as we're editing. (laughs) Michael cut this part out. All right. But uh, so what were your, some of your favorite aspects of the movie? I really enjoyed the subtlety of the drugs in this movie. A lot of times movies go overboard with it and you know if someone smokes marijuana or does LSD then the whole scene is crazy technicolor swirls but in this movie it was very subtle and it was very reminiscent of Rum Diary with Johnny Depp where things would just happen and they wouldn't be explained or even talked about and I remember especially during the climax of the movie during the feasts uh, Florence Pugh's headdress, the flowers were just like bulb in and out. Yeah. And it, that would just be something that happened because everyone was high off of whatever they drank. And I think the subtlety of the visual effects was very effective in showing that they were under the influence, but also confusing the audience and making them more disturbed as well. I definitely agree because sometimes with me watching this movie three times, first time I watched it, I barely noticed the, just the like little bits added of like the flowers, like opening and closing and just grass or tree bark moving at certain points where you don't think that the character is high, but Watching it second and the third time, you realize, oh, my God, I didn't even realize that this character was high right now because they never explicitly say, like, that they're taking drugs. And so you realize that a lot of this movie, they're under the influence of one thing or another. And it kind of is 
scary that so much of what they consume has been laced with uh, a hallucinogen or something mm-hmm. is definitely definitely more under many people's radar uh, at least first time watching because at, I know for me if I only watch a movie one time then I am so busy focused on the bigger picture that I don't take time to focus on the really small things that happen in a scene. That's why I really prefer watching a movie two to three times. Mm-hmm. And that's all, I do. that's all you do. Yeah. And it's like, I watch like every single detail of the movie. I don't know. I don't, I just don't think I have the strength to watch a movie for the first time and notice little tiny, just details that it was probably somebody's big idea for the project. And it just goes right over my head. And I feel so bad for that small little producer trying to make a name for himself. But uh, I appreciate it nonetheless on my second to third watch. I also really enjoyed the uh, diegetic music. That's when music in a movie is within the movie. So like if somebody is playing a radio and that song turns to part of the soundtrack or, you know, like guardians of the galaxy is a great example. Mm. The music is music that the characters are listening to at the time that it's being played in the movie. So a lot of the music was uh, instrumental and it was being played by characters in the movie at festivals, celebrating characters standing right there. And it allowed for an absence of a soundtrack during dialogue and I think that really added to the drug induced dialogue and as I said earlier it really helped make the whole thing just feel like a bad dream like you're just sitting there watching this being just as confused as the characters and it's so many tiny details that are so unsettling but like you said on the first watch might not be present to whoever's watching it and so it's a very disturbing movie but unless you're looking for those details you don't necessarily know why and that kind of adds to the nightmarish effect of it i i agree uh under i have a question for you i have an answer for you who was your least favorite character in this movie and why not based on like how well the actors did portraying them but character who was your least favorite I don't know, probably, if not Mark, just because I kind of don't like him, probably Christian. Okay. Just because of the way he acted and, you know, like kind of trying to separate himself from Danny while she's going through this trauma and not saying that he had to stay with her because she was going through trauma, but the way he did it was kind of not cool. Well, was, was that Christian taking himself out of the equation or was that him being pulled out of the equation? Because in the movie, from what I saw, he was being singled out by that one girl in the tribe. Mm -hmm. And so it was everybody's mission to get him and her together. Mm -hmm. And, 
that even being foreshadowed in the beginning of the movie where it's like, this is how you entrance a guy, make him eat his, eat your pubes. And yeah. just that coming true later in the movie was disgusting. <laughs> but uh, it, from what I could tell, it wasn't so much him pulling himself out as him being pulled out semi-forcefully because in that end scene, whenever she was the May Queen, he was so, so under the influence of drugs. Yeah, couldn't move, couldn't talk. And I, I just felt really bad for him. Well, Logan, I have a counter question for you. I have a counter answer. Do you think he was semi-forcibly pulled from the situation? Or do you think he allowed himself to be slightly motivated toward that? Because... In the beginning of the movie, he didn't even want to take Danny with them. He didn't tell Danny about the trip. And the whole time they were talking about, oh, there's going to be so many women that we can have sex with this whole time. And Mark was really getting at that point. But uh, Christian completely neglected to tell his girlfriend that of four years that he was going on a trip for a couple of months in a different country. And when he did get there, he was very distant with her he like almost forgot her birthday and you know kind of asked different questions and poked around a little bit asking about that girl well the only re the only reason he remembered her birthday is because the one swedish guy pulled him aside after mm -hmm. three times of watching i finally realized what uh the swedish guy was telling him uh whenever they were checking out that house for the first time and it was that hey you've missed danny's birthday <laughs> and I'm like, oh dear. I don't know. That is an excellent question. And I feel like it's a good mixture of both him wanting a little bit of distance and then that being exaggerated by the whole clan's efforts to pull them even further apart. And so I, I guess I guess there's merit to both sides of the argument. Yeah, second half of the movie, totally agree with you. Like, that was not up to him. At that point, he had been chosen to do that, and he did not have a say in that matter. He was drugged and influenced, and then drugged more and influenced more. And that is definitely on your side of that aspect. But I think at the beginning of the movie, it was kind of setting that up to happen. And I have no problem with agreeing with you on that because, yeah, as you said, he was very distant, um, probably because after taking care of her for like, oh, I can't remember the period of time. It was winter, so it was like six months, like four to six months of him taking care of her while she's in this depressive state after her parents and sister are dead. I I couldn't blame him for wanting a break and traveling to Sweden for two weeks for research. Um, I, I did air quotations over that. And so I can't blame him for wanting a bit of space, especially whenever he's devoting so much time to helping her through that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, if he wanted space, he could have just called it quits, but you know, it's neither here nor there. My least favorite character was Josh because he, the the guy that uh, 
the guy who played Cheaty in The Good Place uh, played him. And oh my God, he was such an ass about his uh, topic for his paper. And like nobody else could do, uh, whenever Christian like approached him to do that, it wasn't even really the same project. It was close uh, for their dissertations. It's, I, I don't know, I... I didn't like the way he went about it, uh, trying to get information that Christian couldn't because they didn't allow him access to it. And so he snuck in, which was ultimately his downfall. Uh, Mm -hmm. But him just being so protective over it. And I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And how he knew what that ceremony that of the two elderly people jumping off the cliff, he knew you could tell that he knew what that, ceremony was gonna be but he didn't tell ah danny this is gonna be really violent you probably don't want to watch this but instead he laugh laughs it off the morning of while they're in the house because or the night before i think it was the night before whenever they're getting ready for bed and uh the swedish guy was like yeah we have a, a ceremony tomorrow and everybody's like, what is it? What is it? <laughs> yeah, and then like, is it going to be scary? And Josh was like, you'll see. You'll see. Ugh, I hated that. Ugh. Ugh. Least favorite character in the whole movie. Followed closely by Mark, just because I, th- but I, I think he was written to be annoying. Yeah. And that's why I dislike the character. Will Poulter did a great job of conveying that. So, Hunter. Yes. Thinking about this movie as a whole, I'm going to say this, and I I want your reaction. But any time that they were at the, just the settlement, and they were doing all of these rituals, not, not so much the elderly people jumping off the cliff, but I felt like it was a horror movie version of a drama camp. A drama camp? <laughs> a drama camp. Okay, let, let me explain. So, uh, all these people are dancing, and I. <laughs> it was very ceremonialistic, but it was also, it, it just screamed drama camp to me. And all these times that they would go, <laughs> the the breathe out and then the breathe back in is like a breath exercise for breath support <laughs> and uh, i i just couldn't help watching this movie and any of you that are listening to this that go watch the movie it just sometimes i just couldn't get out of my head this is a drama camp <laughs> this is a horrible drama camp they even put on costumes for the people that they burned alive so, or just a really over-glorified summer camp with a great bonfire to end the week. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it was a great, a great time at camp. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Now you're going to watch that again sometime and you're, you're going to think back to what I said. Oh, I don't apologize. This this is my lasting mark on our listening community. <laughs> All right. Any closing remarks or anything else that you want to talk about before we do closing remarks about this movie? Um, it was good. 
Good movie. The music was by Bobby Krolitz. I did very much enjoy the music. I would like to say that. It was very uh, dissonant and unsettling, and I thought that was very nice touch. Not a lot of movies have soundtracks that aren't huge parts of the film or even just pop songs Mm -hmm. strung within the scenes. But I think the music in this movie was very carefully and very intentionally crafted to emphasize the ominous tone of this whole film. And I think that was really nice touch. But it also really sounded like the place we were at. Yes. And I thought that was a really nice touch. I did notice that whenever we were watching it. For me, this movie is a trip. A bad trip. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's literally the embodiment of a bad trip. It both in the literal term of drug use and then just it just not being a good trip to Sweden. And I thought that was whether that was an, an intentional double entendre of the movie, I feel like it is very adequate. And overall, I enjoyed the movie more than a lot of people uh, that aren't like overly like looking into every aspect of the movie. But like a lot of people watch it one time and they're like, wow, that was weird. I didn't like that. I I really appreciated it. I thought that the weirdness of the movie just set it apart from any normal horror movie that is released at this time, in my opinion. I agree with what you said. Um, How a lot of mainstream moviegoers probably wouldn't find this movie as appealing as you or I probably did, but I thought it was a very well-crafted movie. And that really influences my opinion of a movie and how much I like it. And just the amount of care that went into making it definitely made the experience of watching it all the more, all the more better. I definitely agree. So on a scale of 10, what would you rate this movie? Nine. Nine out of 10? I would say seven and a half. It is a pretty good movie. All right. Gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd. And that that's not okay. Yeah, you made me download Letterboxd. Did you make one? No. <laughs> For this movie, I didn't I didn't add my review on there. Hold on. Let's let's look. Is there a popular review of this movie? I bet I bet yours is gonna be the number one. Num- have, number one review. <laughs> I have like three likes. Let's see. Is there the most popular review. Uh, the number one is the first one is a really long review. Wow. Why do people have so much time on their hands? Logan, what's your letterbox? Oh, God. Oh, God. I haven't put any movies on there or any reviews on there. Let's see. It's, uh, it's a Lufa Palooza. L O O F A P A. L-O-O-Z-A. That is also, hey, everybody listening, that is also my Twitch channel. 
if you guys like <laughs> Minecraft and everything, you you feel free to follow me on there. My letterbox is Benjamin Hunter Brooks, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N space H-U-N-T-E-R space B-R-O-O-K-S. Go follow us on Letterboxd. Might get a sneak peek at what movies we're reviewing. All right, Hunter, this is the big drum roll moment. Have you chosen the movie for next week? No? Oh, goodness. I didn't know I had to do that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let me just go into Google Docs. Because I've been watching so many movies since I got home. So I've, I've seen a few. You I'm gave so Prom one star? Yes. Not a good movie. <laughs> Read my uh, review. It, is it is it a musical a uh, movie adaptation of the musical? Yes. I I didn't expect much from it. I gotta be honest. I'm completely serious. Read my review, and you will know exactly how I felt about that movie. Oh my god, James Corden's in that movie. Yes. I I hate James Corden. <laughs> I I absolutely hate James Corden. He's in too many movies. It's kind of like how I've been feeling about Johnny Depp lately. Johnny oh, Depp is just in is in so many movies. But he's good. Okay, yeah, I, I'll give that to Johnny Depp. James Corden is not good. See, the difference between James Corden and Johnny Depp is if you watch any two Johnny Depp movies. They are completely different people. If you watch any two movies where James Corden plays a character in it, and you look at those two characters, you're like, yeah, James Corden played that character. <laughs> oh, you don't even get me started on the Into the Woods movie. God. But like, Edward Scissorhands, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Ed Wood, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that was a good movie. Black Mass. Like, all these characters are completely different. And I think that is very impressive from one person. So props to Johnny Depp for being in too many movies. No props to James Corden for being in too many movies. Sadly, he got cut from Fantastic Beasts. Ah, oh, well, I didn't watch those movies anyway. Uh, I did. I thought they were okay. I definitely enjoy Harry Potter, though. Hunter, you've made the decision? Have you seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire? No. That is my pick. It is on Hulu. Portrait of a Lady on Fire coming at you hot next week. I have seriously <laughs> considered changing that to one of my four favorites on Letterboxd. Ooh. I don't know which one to get rid of. Um, Sing Street. N- no. Sing Street's number one. Why can't you have more than four favorites on Letterboxd? Because then it's it diminishes the value of the other favorites. I mean, you can have a lot of favorites. Well, no, if you have too much money in circulation, then it devalues the 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 dollar. I guess that's. I guess. I guess you're right. If you have too many favorites, then nobody knows what your actual favorites are. If you're forced to only pick four, then people are like, "Oh, they must really enjoy these movies to only have one of four slots filled out for it." I wonder. My favorite movie. I wonder how it's rated. What is your favorite movie? Rise of the Guardians, and it's overall 3.4. My favorite movie is Sing Street, and overall it is four stars. That is impressive. Ugh, it kind of hurts my soul that Rise of the Guardians isn't more highly rated. Aw. I love this movie. 
As soon as I is have that, access, is this his favorite? As soon as I have access to Sing Street again, because Netflix took it off. We're reviewing it. Yes. <laughs> I watch that movie endlessly. I will watch it on repeat. I I bought um, Rise of the Guardians on Amazon, and I gave you access to. I'm gonna have to re-give you access to my Amazon, but we will ha- we will review that. <laughs> Give everyone Logan's Amazon account. Here, everybody, go watch. Go watch. Go watch the Guardians. Just don't buy anything. Logan's Amazon account at Lufapalooza. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's on my email. All right, everybody. But that has been today's episode. It's probably a little bit shorter than what our normal podcast review will be just because a it's our first time so we're still trying to get the feel of it and we haven't watched it in close to a month so uh we are running a little low on details of this movie one for the money two for the show this podcast's over so go 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 (laughs) 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 all right i have been logan Yes, you have. <laughs> and you can reach out to the podcast uh, by emailing us at privatescreeningpodcast at gmail.com or going and following our Twitter, PrivScreenPod. Look at that, I did it. First try, everybody. So, have a good night or a good day. <laughs> Watch movies. Oh, boy. We're still figuring this out. We're going to figure something out. We'll have a good slogan for you next week. Don't count on it, but we will see you then. Bye!